Welcome, welcome to Skin Out, a podcast celebrating all the people them that want to skin out, enjoy and show out. These are the stories of people of colour taking up space in the kink and fetish scene. I'm your host, Tony, and I hope you're ready because we're about to go on a sexual journey. In each episode, we'll meet a brand new guest, delve into their sexual past and tread alongside them as they divulge their exploits in desire. I'm joined by the lovely Lani today, they, he, a mask-presenting genderqueer kinkster who has been a part of the queer London scene since 2019. They are polyamorous with a leaning towards relationship anarchy. So Lani, uh, we matched on field, didn't we? We did, we did. And we did the typical thing that queer and or non-monogamous people do, and we became friends who just kiss each other occasionally at parties and send each other thirst traps and fire emojis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what actually drew me to your profile to begin with was that it was very detailed, it was very meticulous. It's like you put in a lot of care into that profile. And normally I don't like being set homework by potential dates, but you had on your profile something for me to respond to. I was like, wow, this, this person actually really cares about who they match with and they don't want to waste time so is that how you weed people out how you weed out the unserious people as someone who identifies as demi-romantic and polyamorous do you know what that is a great way to start this podcast damn okay my bio has a lot of stuff on there but it's a mixture of things it's a mixture of like human i want people to understand that this is a human being with a personality that loves to have a laugh but also by reading this bio and getting back to me, I would then be able to tell if someone has read a certain part of the bio. I can't remember what version it was by the time that you and I met, but even up to now, it's like, let me know something about you or tell me your favorite musician or even better, one of my favorite things is tell me a musician or a genre that you hate because I love people who are passionate. And then that gives them a platform or space to say, I don't like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? I can't lie, same. Let's talk about that. I think even talking about stuff like who we like or what we like can be fine and great, but it's really interesting to find out that we both dislike the same things and we're totally passionate about that. Like we go on about it and then I'm like, I'm glad we're on this page. Yeah, I can I can bring out a nerd in people sometimes. I love that. I love that. And what kind of relationships have come from these dating apps because you've put those questions in? So I say sexually open and sexually open in this context doesn't necessarily mean that it's been physically sexual, but it might mean sexually open in the sense of that we're both comfortable being able to talk about what our sexual desires are or what it is that we want out of this connection. It may even just be a conversation. It may just be that and that's it. We may or may not even meet but at least we have the openness to talk about things comfortably without any sense of shame or pressure to meet up or anything like that. But in terms of those who I've sort of like met in person, I think for me, the most important thing is that there's a foundation that is built upon friendship so that it can be either platonic or exclusively platonic, or it could be sexual. It could be romantic either. It could be one or you know, a combination of the lot as well. There's no expectation. I don't like to rush into something that's quote unquote serious. I like to have fun, but I think for other people, it's also understanding what fun means because what my idea of fun is might be different to your idea of fun. So it's just clarifying that that language in that context. So. And what's your idea of fun? Going to marry your world. 
<laughs> I don't know if that exists, but everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. My idea of fun is simply having a wonderful time with that person. Simple. But to break that down, I think I would say I want to be, I want to spend time with that person and feel great. I want to f- be able to look at that and at the end of the day be like, you know, I had a wonderful time. Whether it's sitting down, chilling on the sofa, watching f- films that we loved or shows that we love or listening to music and nerding out. It could be going, let's say, to, to, to a canal and, you know, with notepads and colouring pens and sketching. Or it could be anything sexual, whether it's like like a play date or so. I think for me, it's the most important thing is that we both enjoy the time together. But again, it's clarifying what fun means with me and that person. So it might mean this to someone else. But if we can talk about that definition, then yeah. I, I think that a lot of people conflate physical touch and like intimacy to only be with sex. But you can get a very intimate relationship with someone just by spending time with them and doing those non-sexual things and still have a good time and still build that relationship absolutely i think intimacy comes with vulnerability and vulnerability through intimacy doesn't necessarily mean you have to shed these layers these clothes it doesn't mean you have to get sexual in that way it could literally just be having uh, i guess a one-on-one moment it could be heart to heart it could be sharing emotional i guess experiences stories whether regardless of what that is it doesn't have to be being in a bedroom having sex it could literally just be this is me showing you the real me and you know it makes me feel this type of way but i'm comfortable enough to share this with you and is that where your demi romantic tendencies come in then my demi romantic tendencies Partially that, yeah. I would say that I've always been a bit more interested in the sexual aspects of connections, more so than romantic. And I think for some people, whereas let's say the demi, I guess some folks who are demi romantic, I, I can't speak for them, but I'm just, you know, from what my understanding is, it they would require a bit more of a connection to have something deeper and meaningful with them to be able to explore, you know, other things like romance or uh, sex and so on. I think mine is sort of like the other way around where I do enjoy the casual sex. I do enjoy sex with other people, whether I met them on the same day or let's say we built that sense of trust or so. But for me to dive into something a bit more romantic, it definitely requires a bit of time. It's not something I could just dive into. I might feel potential feelings of what, a romantic connection is but that still requires time it needs to be built it's not something that you can do in one day so does that does that make sense i don't have i don't i'm not the person that created the definition so i'm sure there's a definition elsewhere of someone that can find it better than me but to me that's what it feels like and i yeah does that mean you don't believe in love and love at first sight then i believe in it but i think it works for other people but at the same time there are people that i've seen and met on the day and i'm like damn you know <laughs> um and got a really strong vibe from that person so it's not something that happens all the time but i know that there's definitely people that i can feel love and i also understand that there's a difference with with loving someone and let's say for example me saying that i love you versus being in love with someone those are two completely different things so being in love with someone may take a little while but 
it's not to say that it's impossible for me to feel that immediately. It's just rarely happens immediately. How do you navigate those feelings whilst in the the kink and fetish scene? Does it play a part? Because you said that you, it's very easy for you to have sex with someone that you've met on the first day or without having to have that deep connection, like someone who is demisexual would need. So does being demi-romantic have an impact in you being able to be a part of this scene in a certain way? When I say that it's very easy, it's not like I could walk out of the house, point on someone and be like, you, come with me. (laughs) It's more like I'm a sexual person and I'm very open with that. And if the if we, you know we both have a mutual agreement on exploring and that then cool great but it's it's not easy in the way that i can pick and choose who and when it's done it's a case of like you know i want to still be able to have that with the right people and have a sense of trust and know that these are the people that i feel safe with when i have attended play parties it tends to be with my partners and there's already an established relationship there and we may also say you know what these are the scenes that we want to do you know whether we actually do or not but in terms of like where feelings kick in let's say with let's say new people I've rarely had new people either approach me or I've approached them like I probably can count on one hand new people that I've met in play spaces and play events and even then, it's not really about play. It's really just about getting to know the person. Like, in fact, the con- the conversation is not sexy at all in the in the you know in the conventional play event sense. It's more like getting to know each other. Oh, what brings you here? Like, is this your first time? And it sort of evolves from that. And then finding out that we have the same passions. We might be really into this particular artist, and or one person that I have in mind. Um, they were like, uh there's this food spot that you should check out. It's a Korean food. Uh, really want to go there. Do you want to hang out sometime? That's literally our connection. That's our conversations in the midst of a play party. <laughs> I love that. I love that Same. you can just talk about food and where you're going and your travels whilst people are just fucking right next to you. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A better question then is, cool. how is it being genderqueer and being kinky at the same time? Do you have any sort of challenges whilst you're in the King and Fetish scene? That's because you look mass presenting, but of course you're non-binary. Yeah, I would say I lean more towards genderqueer, genderqueer. than okay. non-binary. But thank you for bringing that. So first of all, I am mask and I embrace my maskness and I celebrate my maskness. But at the same time, I want to step away from what being a man is growing up I actually didn't really feel like I was I didn't feel gendered if that makes sense despite growing up in a traditional religious African household but for me it wasn't a case of like it wasn't like I woke up and I said oh do you know what I'm a man and did that you know that had that mental conversation with myself every single day it's more like I never really thought about it even though ironically I went to an all-boys school it was still this thing of I never thought much about gender I never thought much about my set myself but I also knew that I loved masculinity, even down to, let's say, women or femme folks and masculinity. So some of my favorite examples would be, did you watch Powerpuff Girls? Yeah. Buttercup, right? She's one of my favorite 
characters as far as um you know powerpuff girls go but for some people she might be seen as masculine or have masculine traits because of like aggression and violence or so which isn't exclusively mutual or tied to masculinity uh and then there's also one of my favorite um figures the late uh, wrestler china who was just incredible like six foot tall was able to suplex men out of the ring like she played the role of a bodyguard for some wrestlers and also had like the world championship as well i also saw her as femme you know and i think we're also living in a world where because of our identities it's putting these two binaries you're either one or the other but you don't get the opportunity to sort of explore outside of that i think also at the same time i grew up you know, it was the 2000s. At that point, we're seeing rappers growing their hair, doing braids, and all of the things that were sort of associated with feminists were adopted by black men. We saw Snoop doing braids, we saw Snoop doing perms, we saw Lil Bow Wow doing the same thing. And so, and that's when I felt super comfortable to want to do that grow my hair out, have an afro, braid my hair. And funny enough, around that point, that was when I had an uncle asking me, are you a boy or a girl? And I was actually so, like, I didn't know how to answer that. I remember just being, either, I'm going to say about maybe 10, 11, 12, and not really having that moment to really understand what was being asked and how to answer it. But also realising I've never actually thought about any of that before. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, there's so much, there's so much to go with that. But I think that for me, identity isn't about living in confined boxes that people give you. It's about living your true self at all times. Even if you feel like it might be fluid. Even if you feel like you feel best suited with one or the other. And how are you being your true self within these spaces? Comfortable. Mm -hmm. I feel a lot more like myself when I'm in these play spaces, I feel like it feels like you take off these layers and these layers are almost like literally clothes, right? And then you come out of these sort of like, I'm going to call them civilian clothes. And then when you're in the space and you're wearing what it is that you attend, intended on wearing, you feel more of yourself and you're amongst other people who feel more like themselves as well. So you can also show a bit more of who you really are. And it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. You're just in a sexual, uh, you know, um, environment. But it feels liberating to know that you're surrounded by other people who are just like yourself. Tell me about one of your favourite outfits that you've worn to a party. So my outfit collection is pretty limited. Can I tell you one of my favourite outfits that you wore? Go on. Okay. So <laughs> I love how you lit up. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, so this is at Thorn. You were wearing these yeah. leather pants and a white shirt. Yes. And the shirt was open. Yeah. I thought you looked like that. Um, you know those really old-timey romantic novels where the, the, the lead on the front cover and his, his shirt's wide open, his hair's billowing in the air. And I looked at you, I was like, wow, okay. I didn't know I was into this, but I'm I'm, I'm vibing. I like this. I like this a lot. And that's that was one of my favourite outfits you've ever worn that I've seen you in. Thank you. I'll happily do it again. <laughs> do you know what? Okay, so I think at, at that point as well, so I still, even though I've been in this space for a few years, I still feel relatively new i still feel like a baby to a degree and it's like i feel safe and comfortable to wear the things that i wear to these play spaces and events or so in my early days i did wear a shirt or so and that was actually to do with the fact that i didn't quite feel comfortable wearing 
nothing underneath it and just going bare skin or showing just showing more skin i would say that if anything it was more like it was a combination of that but also not quite feeling comfortable with being a larger bodied person in a space where anyone who's never been to a play party when they see any sort of like representation there's no representation of like larger bodies right and especially and larger um, mask bodies. Absolutely. That's, listen, I, I'm really passionate about that particular group of people. Like large bodied mask folks seem to be underrepresented. Now, don't get me wrong. There's tons of other people who are underrepresented. But I think that for me as a large bodied mask person, and especially a black one, there's very little representation to the point where I don't, I could not really name anyone else or pull a, an image or a reference and say, yeah, this is, you know one of a person or so i think it's gotten to the point where i'm like well i'm just gonna attend these events anyway i'm just gonna see how it goes who knows maybe i might be one of the first few larger mass body people people see there and if anyone else chooses to attend and they ask about body diversity i'll be completely honest and let them know it's lacking here or do you know what they got a fair amount here and especially if they're talking about it in conjunction with like being of color i want them to understand that as well because being black and fat versus being white and fat are two different experiences, similar to a degree, but you've got, you know, race involved as well. So, What would you wear now to, nothing feel, at sex- all. to feel sexy? Nothing at all. You'd wear nothing at all. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say that. That's like my favourite quote from Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, be serious now. Okay. <laughs> what would you wear to a play party now to feel sexy? Do you know what? There's a few things that make me feel sexy. So I would say... So I wear this harness, which sort of, rather than sort of like closing it up and have it sort of like connect from the chest, it's, I sort of wear it so it's not connected at the chest and it's just sort of like a shoulder harness slash holster. So that's sort of like my favorite go-to piece, even though I say my, my, I guess my inventory stuff is very limited. I still try to find ways of feeling good in, in these things. I really like my fires. I personally have a thing for my own fives. It's why I first trap on my Instagram with my fives. <laughs> Instagram, dating profiles, you name it. So people will probably see me, whether it's like outside during daytime, wearing like running shorts or compression shorts, because it gives me the fitted feel that I love. It makes me feel active, but it also shines the attention on my fires as well. So it's just like simple, you know, running uh, compression shorts. It might be jointing with like a running short on, uh, on top of it, which is slightly smaller. But either way, it draws people's attention. But this is the thing about King King Outfit. Sometimes it's not always about spending tons of money on attire. Sometimes you could find the best outfits outside of the kink wear space. Like a small accessory could also play a huge role in your outfits. So it's a combination of that and the harness. I love doing my nails as well. Sometimes it's a case of eyeliner and lipstick. I tend to usually go for black just in general, but I do want to branch out from that too. What was your first kink party like? My first kink party, it was in the beginning stage of dating one of my current partners. This was 2019. Around that time, I was actually considering exploring kink spaces, play spaces. I just didn't know where to go, who to go to and all sorts of stuff. I didn't really know too many names, but I did see a few names pop up around that time as well. Some of my research was from like, for some reason, like Vice 
through Vice magazine and their YouTube channels and their articles, just trying to find out what is going on in London and what exists and so on. And um, around that time also, this is a fun fact, and I don't know if I shared this with you personally as well, but I was an active sex worker. So I was looking for places where I could go and enjoy where the, it's a sexual community, but not necessarily just to go there for sex. But I also knew at the same time, I was like super horny and I wanted to be able to like get away from the sex work side of things, but make genuine connections and explore sex on a personal level. Like when you're a sex worker, there's sex for business and there's sex for your own personal reasons. So, you know, it's distinguishing that and wanted to disconnect from, you know, your work life, but focusing on your own pleasure for you and yourself. So I matched with my partner and we got talking and we were having conversations that were going on forever. Next thing you know, a few days later, we matched and we ended up like hooking up and staying over the night. And I went to work. That was the usual stuff. Let's say about weeks, I think a few weeks in, they were like, I'm hosting a play party. Would you like to come? Despite wanting to go to one, I was super anxious. And I didn't think I was actually ready to go. So I was like, uh, thank you, but not this time around. Um, it's so sudden. It's so soon. I'm going to skip this one out. Do you do this often or so? And if so, let me know when the next one's happening. And the reason, possibly the reason why I didn't go to the first time was that, that my idea of a play party was like, have you ever seen a film called Eyes Wide Shut? Oh my God. Everyone keeps mentioning this movie, but I have not seen it. <laughs> Wait, what have they mentioned? Everyone just keeps saying that was their first experience of what, that was their first idea of what a sex party is. Eyes Wide Shut. I have to watch it. Okay. I have to watch it at this point. So to give you an idea and also anyone listening as well, there's a particular scene in Eyes Wide Shut and I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like, paraphrasing or so the, the scene or so but my idea was from eyes wide shut which had a scene which felt like you're walking into a very elitist play space i'm talking like you go to a play party and it's got these huge double doors for example right and when you go in everyone's wearing like bird masks or you know black and white suits dresses like you can't tell anyone's faces and it's very classy um and very white and slim bodied you know if, if that's what my assumptions of what a play party was so when i was invited i was like i don't know if i want to be around like rich skinny white people I'm tired. That's literally what I get with my clients. Can I, you know, yes, no, I don't know. Let me, you know, we'll talk about it afterwards, but have fun, enjoy this. Uh, and let's talk more, you know, the day after or so. Fast forward now, we had that conversation and they put me at ease. I think what also helps as well is that they're also a larger body person as well, uh, but also they hosted their own party. So it was, you know, in their own space and they sort of, determined what the space or does the you know the environment is like um, it's also curated in the sense of like they selected a few the people that they want to be in that space and these are people that they all know so which is makes it a lot more easier nicer so come to the day of the play party and in my head i'm still like so you decided be, to go i decided to go the second time, the oh, se okay, honestly, the second yeah, time. so the second time they invited me they were like no in my head i was like okay you know, my heart is beating because I've been to the apartment before and I just didn't know what to expect and and all sorts. Go up the lift, go to the door, I'm knocking and 
I think I just heard like a few voices and it sounds quite lively or so. And I was just like, I don't know if it's going to be this sort of haunted, creepy, like knock on the door, music stops. And then when you enter, everyone just turns in on you. Like I thought it was just some sort of like creepy initiation thing. But no, it was so casual. Like literally people were just drinking, having a laugh, still wearing their clothes, just having a good old social time. And I think seeing that, I was like, all right, okay, cool. I could, um, I can, I can settle into this. Okay, cool. Let me just, whatever it was. So there wasn't no play immediately. Um, and I just remembered, I just sat down with a cider and there was this other person on the other side of me and we were just chatting for a little bit or so. And <laughs> I'm laughing because there was this moment, like later on, there was this moment where someone comes in and they're sort of like, they joked, it's a sort of a joke, but they were like, oh, this person's going to be the sacrificial lamb, <laughs> right? And I'm like, yeah, eyes wide shut again. Someone's getting sacrificed or something, whatever it was. But hilar- what's also hilarious, right, is I sat there and I was like, yeah, this is some white people shit and took some, I took a sip of my cider. Did you end up playing that time? I did, I did. I felt surprisingly comfortable. I felt very comfortable. And I think that was also due to the fact that one, I am a voyeur. I enjoy seeing people play and watching them play. And that's partially to do with the fact that I want to see real sex happening. And I find myself being informed and educated watching real people have real sex of various sorts. And two, I also, yeah, I like, I like watching people and I enjoy being watched. And it didn't feel like I was having to perform for anyone, but it was just incredible being in that moment. Everyone's having a good time. People were actually like cheering you on as well. I think I'm sh- I'm sure I heard a round of applause. I'm sure I heard. I don't know if it's for me. I'm not saying it's for me, but I remember hearing it. Just know that it happened at the same time that I was playing. So it could be for me, but it might not. But let's just say it was for me. <laughs> a round of applause is not a regular occurrence it's at play parties. Not, it's really not. It's only if you're exceptionally good at what you do, like Lani. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> no, but um, it. I think for me, it was. It was just because it was a small group of people. It was just really nice and lovely. Like people had a sense of humor, so there's a little bit of banter. So that added to having a good time. And anyone that knows me knows that humor is a big part of my personality and my connections. I think a lot of people, when they think of um, the kink and the fetish scene, the play parties. They think it's this big, massive space. And it can be. There's really big, big, big parties. But then you have the smaller, organised parties where it's just a bunch of friends or people who know each other. And I think those are great places to really start in your kink journey if you are thinking about it. I agree. I agree. Um, And I I think that there's different types of, I guess, spaces and feels and intentions when you look at these parties. So, yeah, everyone knows of the, the larger parties where there's like hundreds and hundreds of people in attendance, sometimes thousands or so. And then there's private parties, and not always not always private parties, but just parties that are much smaller in numbers, maybe in the double digits. You're definitely going to get a different experience in these spaces. Sometimes it's nice to have smaller numbers of people in, let's say, your own home. And sometimes someone else might be hosting a party where they've hired a venue, and it's just like, you know, at the very max, let's say 60, 80 people, still totally fine. But then there's also venues and events where it's like 600, maybe 1,200 even. Like there's been parties, you know, some that used to happen regularly as well. But again, it's it's different spaces. 
different spaces. Some some play parties have the DJ. Some play parties don't. Some play parties just have a play a podcast. It, you know, each of these things just have. Not, did I say podcast? You said a podcast. A play party has a podcast. <laughs> a play party with a podcast. Imagine hmm, that. That would be <laughs> very I distracting. A, I meant a playlist. <laughs> <laughs> A part of me um, definitely wants to host my own sort of play party. But I think I'd like to start at an orgy, though. I'd like to organise my very own orgy. The Have you been to an orgy before? Do you know what? Actually, what classifies an orgy so I think as opposed to like... Yeah, what, what, what's the difference? So I think about this all the time. I'm like, what makes an orgy an orgy? Why is it an orgy versus a play party? Like... Go on. Let's get philosophical. Okay, let's do this. I feel like an orgy is where everyone is sharing everyone. Whereas at a play party, you're not necessarily fucking everyone in that room. True. So I think that's where the distinction lies, where that's an orgy. And then the orgy has to be more than four people. Otherwise, it's a foursome. Yeah. So it has to be five and upwards. And everyone has to be fucking everyone. Then it's an orgy. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so with that being said, would you say that an orgy is inherently queer? Yes. Yes, it does. But then, oh, but then what do you say to swingers? Because swingers, they do couple swaps and the, and the guys aren't having sex with the guys, but the girls are having sex with the girls. So is that an orgy? What so would you call that? It's really interesting that. I've never thought about that in, in terms of that. Like, But I do, I do feel that I've always felt like an orgy was like a large group of people playing with each other. And maybe that's because of like my sort of like visual references of like watching something on TV and it's like set in ancient Greece or Rome. You know what I mean? And there's just like this one particular scene that doesn't necessarily be there. Like it's like, okay, Julius Caesar is, you know, just chilling, talking about, yeah, let's do some shit. And, you know, he's gonna they're gonna fetch some horses and whatever. And then it fades into this one scene, sort of like overhead, looking down on this like orgy with just legs tangled. You're looking at me like, what the fuck, bro? But at the same time, that's what I sort of like was exposed to. Uh, and I've always thought, oh, okay, that's that's an orgy. That's what an orgy should look like. It's, it's multiple people tangled all limbs all over the place with each other and so on. But I think an orgy could also be, we can define, we can define what these things are. Yeah. And the, the playing doesn't have to necessarily mean fucking. It could be other huh. stuff as well. Yeah. To classify it as an orgy. But anyways, Absolutely. I want to organise an orgy because my first ever orgy was incredible. There was yeah. five of us. So yeah. it wasn't an orgy. It wasn't four. It's five. <laughs> and what I really liked about that orgy was that it was similar to your kind of second, your first play party, yeah. where it was just very casual and it's low-key kind of wholesome too. Yeah. We were chatting, we were talking, and then we were fucking, and then we slept, then we woke up and we fucked again. And then the next day, we just watched TV, we watched movies and we ate food together and it didn't feel like a huge deal. It just felt normal. Mm. And that's what I want to recreate. And that's what your first experience reminded me of, that very first orgy that I had. Yeah. Speaking of kinks, I know you didn't say kinks, but um, yeah. <laughs> what are some of your kinks? Ooh, I... What sort of scenes do you like to enact at okay. these play parties? So I'll tell you what. I will say this. I, I definitely identify as a switch. Some people may or may not even know this. So I'm more of a switch. I guess I lean more towards topping side of things. But recently I have been wanting to, I say topping, but topping and doming can sometimes, in my in my language, has been used interchangeably. 
But I also find myself wanting to sub and explore more of that. I would probably describe myself as a service top switch. And I say that because this also segues into some of my kinks and scenes that I want to do. I love, I love the idea of being consensually used slash objectified. Because for me, when I've got that trust with this person and they know what it is that turns me on, but they also know exactly what doesn't turn me on. And they're like, cool, I respect that. Let's make this happen. I love feeling like a prop where I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, they're literally saying, you know, you're just addicted to me. And I'm like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> right. And for some people, I completely understand it when they're like, I do, I'm not an object. But for me, it's like, I want to be an object. I want to be a useful object. And I want to be an object that plays a role in someone else's pleasure and satisfaction. Sometimes, don't get me wrong, topping and being that person in control has been fine and all great. But I think prior to kink, um, there's this expectation of if you're a mask person or if you're a man, shall I say, then you've got to take control. You are the dumb or whatever it is. And you've got to, you know, pretty much handle the steering wheel. And I'm like, what if I don't? But I also know that I have my own desires and I want to be fetishized consensually. I want to be looked as a prop and used as a prop or shared as a prop. I love the idea of being shared around or let's say, you know, someone saying, we want to use you and we want to take turn. We both want to ride your face and ride your fires or dig, wherever it is. And I have no say. And I'm like, so how soon can we make this happen? I recently got into stuff like water sports and that's something I really want to explore. I've been a fan of, you know, squirt and all sorts of stuff. And I I find that very liberating in, a, in an interesting way. Probably because I enjoy fluids in general. I've been totally fine with, let's say, you know, with people squirting. That's never made me feel uncomfortable. For a long time, probably my teenage years, I've been completely comfortable with period, period blood, for example, right? And it's never freaked me out. So if someone mentions periods, they're on their period and there's conversations around play around that i'm like if you, you want to do it let's explore that let's do that and that's still you know that's still something that i really enjoy but of course not everything that i mention to people has to be played or done so if someone says oh, that's my boundary i'm like cool that's fine maybe we'll talk about it maybe we don't or we do so in our own time but we always make sure that that person doesn't have to feel like there's pressure with me of doing that do you know what there's a whole huge list and i think sometimes it varies from whether if I'm playing with mask folks or femme folks, interestingly enough. What's the difference? Oh, men are sluts. I mean, <laughs> I say that and... <laughs> men are sluts? They no. are? <laughs> no. So, hear me out. <laughs> so, I find... Do you know what I find? I think for me, it's that thing of... Um, I think the type of sex that I've had with men or mask folks can vary between anyone who is femme or afab you know i guess language will vary but i quite like the sort of like cruising aspect of gay culture where it's sort of like anonymous there's very little talking and whether there's a scene with let's say you and one person or multiple other people or so i i quite enjoy that however i've not always had the best experiences only because I wish it was places that with people that I genuinely like or had a connection with and saying, you know what, I feel comfortable with you. Let's do this. Um, or a group of people to do so. Um, it's really weird when you go into like gay sexual space and there 
not being any, I guess, a space or an opportunity to have a conversation about all of these other things. Because some people literally will say, I don't want to talk about consent. I don't want to talk about this. And that can also put me off. So I wish like there was a space or place where I can, you know, everyone in that space understands this and can have those conversations. So I love sex that can feel quite primal, but it's not always limited to that. Like I love sex in various different types of ways. It could be anywhere from, you know, it can be sensual, but it could also be really rough and aggressive or so. But I find that I tend to experience more primal, aggressive sex with men slash man folks, uh, mask folks. And I don't know why that is. And it's not to say that anyone who identifies with femininity or nothing at all don't want that. I don't think I've had many people that say that they're into this. You know, and if there are people that are into this, I'm like, cool. But it really, they really come around. But it's also knowing a few things like, what are they comfortable with? Is there a threshold or a limit as to like, what is too much for them? Whereas, I th- and I don't know, I think in some ways, like gay sex can feel sleazy, which I kind of like. You know, if you saw my porn history, like that's the only way to really dis- <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Tell me about your porn history. Uh, my porn history... Top five. Top five. Yeah. What am I seeing if I look on your computer right now? It's definitely gay. Uh-huh. So when I say gay, I'm 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 talking about gay as a huge umbrella. We're talking queerness. We're talking about it's not for me. My porn is gay in the sense that it's through the gay gaze and 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 lens or so, but not ex- always and exclusively by let's say cis men. I like watching porn that falls under the queer umbrella because that's when I get to see different types of sex. That's when I get to see different types of bodies and, I guess, autonomies and how everyone can be themselves. But I also think that, for me, it's also a nice breakaway from the sort of, like, white male gaze of straight sex. You know, the cliches and the... the, the Yeah, the cliches of, like, how to pleasure someone. It's always PIV, PIA. But what about me wanting to explore, visually explore, vicariously... Um, sex where there's no penetration at all but it's like through touch or through toys or let's say for example like water sports and such and how people react to it but how they get off on it you know seeing the the power dynamics between two or more consenting people seeing how a group of people you know let's say I've seen scenes of like your mind is so blown (laughs) are you you okay (laughs) you're like send me the links (laughs) For me, it's okay. So I think for me, it's like, you know, I'm glad that we're in this day and age where we are in this sort of like OnlyFans era where content is created by the sex workers themselves and they collaborate with the people that they want to work with and enjoy working with. And we see a lot of folks who are of colour who are also larger bodies or various different types of bodies. And we're talking about that as well as including disabilities or any sort of accessible need. We see loads of trans folks, which I'm really happy to see as well, because I think through porn, we've seen one idea of what a trans person is or so. But now we're seeing trans folks taking up space and representing themselves as individuals, as well as a collective, you know, a a community of, of people. But it's also really nice to see how different bodies work in different spaces. For me, as long as it's queer, 
then that's what that's hot and that's that's going to be a huge turn on um and it doesn't have to be the conventional it doesn't have to just start with a blowjob and then penetration and that's it it could literally be anything in any order great thank you <laughs> take a breath take a deep breath <laughs> we'll be back after these messages <laughs> We're, we're going to leave it on that wonderfully delicious note. Thank you, Lani, so much for joining me and joining us, sharing your story and allowing us to be a part of it. Thank you. And thank you, lovely listeners, for tuning in. Let us know your thoughts and carry on the conversation with the hashtag SkinOutPod. Do all the things you usually do with podcasts. Share on social media, give us a good rating, subscribe, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>